Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of Second Chronicles today, and we're in chapter 5, and the ark has come home. And um, I think as we try to set our hearts to understand these scriptures, um, let's understand that the ark now has come to its final resting place. They've built this temple in Jerusalem, and the ark is brought home. McGee makes the point that this points to God coming to dwell with man. It, it points to Christ. It points to um, Christ, foreshadows Christ dwelling uh, with us on earth as God dwells us with us on earth one day as Christ brings our reconciliation to God so that it will be possible that God will dwell with us because sin will have been wiped away. So um, with that in mind, let's look. Verse 9, And the poles were so long uh, that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from the outside. And they are there to this day. Um, in other words, the poles are there. They they have now um, brought them down. Um they're as McGee was describing. They're not good. They're not going to move this ark again. Verse ten. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel, and then came out of Egypt. Verse eleven. And when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests um, who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions. Verse twelve. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Hermanin. And the sons of the kinsmen, arraying in fine linen with cymbals and harps and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. So they were all there. Um, all the people were there um, to to worship. So this is a, uh, a worship ceremony. Uh, ark has been brought in. It's not going to be moved anymore. And as McGee said, the poles that carry the ark had were removed, so nobody's got to worry about carrying it anymore. This is its final place in the temple. Verse uh, chapter 6, 
Verse 1, Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he wanted to dwell in thick darkness, but I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. Verse 3, Then the king turned around and blessed all the assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel stood. Verse 4, And he said, Blessed be the uh, Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to David, my father, saying, Since the day I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. And I chose no man as prince over my people Israel. But I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there. And I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Verse 7. Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So he Solomon is sort of harking back to David's desire to build a house for God. And of course... He's telling, he told David he wouldn't be able to do it because he's a bloody man, but he was going to build a house for him. This is going to be his kingdom, but the kingdom he's promising him is coming through Christ. And if this is a fulfillment of the promise he made to Abraham. So we're, let's jump around for some of these high points here. Um, and I have set, this is verse, uh, verse 11, and there I have set the ark in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with the people of Israel. So this is going back to Abraham's covenant. There is a Davidic covenant that there is a kingdom coming. And of course, we'll have a new covenant. That's the New Testament. That's the gospel message of Christ. That's how Christ will be to fulfill these promises. Verse 12, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Solomon made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and set it in the court, and he stood on it, and then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. So posture, you know, uh, McGee made the point, my study Bible made the point that, you know, sometimes posture is, uh, you know, we debate on what posture we should be in before praying. Um, we've made it in our church um, studies that posture matters. And bending on one's knees is important to show God the proper respect that he has, that, we, that he deserves. And so sometimes we, we're praying uh, in our hearts, you know, as we're going through our days and things, but sometimes it's good to take a posture, take a knee, take a posture to bow our heads and bend our bodies in the proper posture before God. And he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven and said, Oh, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven on earth. Keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart, who have kept your servant David, my father, what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand have fulfilled it this day. We'll drop down to uh, verse 18. But the will, but will 
God indeed dwell in man on the earth. Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. In other words, he's saying, look, I'm building this to you to honor you as my father David wanted to build a house for you. But I know, and we honor you with this. But at the same time, I know that this is just a house built with the hands of man and that can't contain you. You're too great for that. Verse 21. And listen to the pleas of your servant of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. And listen from heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. So he's talking about prayer. He's talking about forgiveness. This is the center of worship. This is what worship is. It is praying to God. God's listening. And God is forgiving us. Verse 22. If a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath and comes and swears his oath before your altar in this house, then hear from heaven. Solomon's sort of given some examples of what how people might pray how people might worship verse 24 here's another example if your people israel are defeated before the enemy because they've sinned against you and they turn again and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house he's given another example of prayer verse 26 when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they've sinned against you if they pray towards this place and acknowledge your name turn from their sin he's saying please hear them verse 28 if there's a famine on the land if there's pestilence or blight or mildew or locusts or caterpillar if their enemies besiege them in the land of gates whatever plague whatever sickness whatever prayer whatever plea hear our prayers verse 30 then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each whose heart you know According to all his ways, for you, you only know the hearts of the children of mankind. So in other words, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the prayer, he's saying, God, hear them. Because you already know them better than anybody. Verse 32, likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when he comes and prays towards this house here from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. This is so interesting to me because he is giving the foundation that Gentiles can pray to and acknowledge God. God is an international God. This is how Jesus is fulfilling Old Testament. Solomon is dedicating the temple. But look how he's saying it. And it's so interesting that this is pointing to the gospel message that Paul takes up 
that Jesus calls Paul to do so that the message can go to the Gentiles. Here comes another um, example. If they sin against you, for there's no one who does not sin. Everybody sins, right? And you are angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away and captive to a land far or near. Yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead, if they repent with all their mind, this is verse 38, with all their heart in the land of their captivity to which they were carried captive and pray towards their land which you gave their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name then, Hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their pleas, and maintain their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Another picture of prayer. Even if they're not in Jerusalem, even if they're not in the temple, hear their prayer. Verse 40, Now, O my God, let your eyes be open, your ears attentive to the prayer of this place. Again, this whole temple, prayer was central. Verse 41, Now arise, O Lord God, and go to your resting place. You and the ark of your might, let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. Let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. Okay, so Solomon prays over this temple, prays over the people. All the worshipers are here. He's giving all these example metaphors and a lot. A lot of this stuff, I, th- I think every one of this stuff, has, has all, has, we see it come true. And we see the fulfillment of these examples in the nation's history. But look how important it is from God's perspective to tell us this. How important it is that God records it here for us to understand how important prayer is. It's central, no matter... If you're being held captive in another land, if you're sinning against one another, if there's a famine or a pestilence or whatever trouble you have or sin in your life or something deep in your heart, you have a Father in heaven who knows your heart and will hear you. So, we're going to stop here. Powerful, powerful lesson about how important and central prayer is for our lives as told by God's perspective. So, we'll turn the rest of the podcast now over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this today. And as always, from me to all of you, Keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you here next time. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. God bless you all.